Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to Know Your Gear QA number 87. 87, like the LPD 87 pedal. <laughs> so I just mentioned that. I just thought of that. 87. I guess that's uh, marketing at its best uh, when a pedal. Uh, when I think of a pedal, when I think of a number. How are you guys doing? I already see there's almost 200 of you already here. That's awesome. Um, it was a pretty exciting week. The weather now is officially awesome where I'm at. And uh, let's see what we got going on. Let's see some questions while people are coming on. And what else is going on out there? I'm, I'm taking a look right now. Um, I saw a good question right when I right when I logged in and and it was oh Bob uh, Bob Pickwode said hey Phil just letting you know that I, I he got the gold letter t-shirt uh, has had multiple washings and not yet begun to fade love your channel and your shirts thank you buddy I appreciate that Bob uh, and you know thank you for the fuzz pedal you gave me at the restring event uh, I've been digging it and, uh, and, uh, since Ralph's not here, I'll thank you for Ralph. Ralph would definitely thank you for those donuts. Um, and, uh, that was awesome at the event. Thanks, Bob. And I'm glad your shirt's uh, holding up. Um, you know, over the, over the years, I've had a couple of the shirts that I bought. I had one just for some reason act up, but the rest have all been holding up pretty good. Um, I think it's because every once in a while we try different, not vendors have tried that, but we did different t-shirt styles, like, you know, types of, of, um, materials whether it's cloth or flannel or whatever um but there was a question and it said hold on a second it was asking me what wall hangers i use i'm sorry if i don't know the user's name i just did i can't find it in the in the list now but the question was what wall hangers i use and that's easy i only use string swing i've been using string swing forever it's unquestionably the only thing i use uh string swing right there string swings all hanging here my sideways hangers are string swings i've only used string swing wall hangers uh since my very first wall hanger I ever bought which was probably years and i'm mean, a decade ago two decades ago i don't know uh it's uh it's the only thing i use uh and there's a lot of reasons why but um obviously i use it all those years but uh on top of that, they're just a great company. They're made here in the USA. I got nothing bad to say about them ever. So, uh, Pyrocent Music says 2014 GSL Legacy Special, great condition for $949. Uh, is that a question or are you just telling me? <laughs> I was looking at a GSL, uh, GNL uh, Legacy uh, the other day for, I think it was a $999 or a thousand bucks on reverb. It was pretty cool. I saw one also, I think for eight fifty. So they're out there. That's not. That's not bad. It, it goes to what I was talking about about you know a good deal. There are thirteen hundred new, so nine fifty used. I think that's about you know what used stuff sometimes goes for, but not the smoking deals that we used to see on the GNLs. You know, you used to be able to snag a, a thirteen hundred dollar GNL for you know. 50, or what is I say, $1,400 for about half. You know what I mean? For about six, 700 bucks. But I'm noticed that they're holding more value now. And again, I, I, I honestly believe the main reason the GNLs are holding value right now is because uh, they just haven't done a ton of price increases over the last few years. The, the, the 2008 era recession, when it hit a lot of manufacturers, a lot of manufacturers became really uh, fearful of doing price increases. 
something I can speak of uh, in, in as personal experience. I remember a lot of manufacturers. You guys actually, do you remember, does anyone remember in 2007, Fender did a price increase on the American product line? They raised the prices dramatically, like 20%. And it was right during the recession. And then a year later, Fender had to bring the prices back down to what they were. And it was a few years after that before Fender then again did a price increase. And it wasn't as to that extreme. But a lot of you will remember uh, Fender did, I think it actually was a 30% price increase, but it might've been 20, but it, it, I mean, it might've been 30, but I know it was at least 20% price increase. And so I think what happened with GNL, I don't know. I didn't ask him this specifically when I was there, but I think what happened was I think they were probably like a lot of companies ready for a price increase to adjust to inflation, which is why a lot of minimum wage has been adjusted. Again, just, just giving you information, not, not speaking about whether I'm for or against any of this stuff. Um, but I think what happened was the recession made them weary of doing price increases uh, because of the fact that, you know, it's a tough market. Now, I think it's a little stronger market for sure. And there's definitely reasons for a lot of manufacturers to feel more comfortable doing the price increases, but I think some of them are still sta staying away. That's my theory on why I think if you're looking at the uh, GNLs, the prices are good, but they're not as good as they were just a few years ago, uh, used wise. So... Uh, Kevin Manning says, Phil, what was your MOS? MOS? Uh, 63 Hotel. So actually it was a 63 Hotel. And then I did, after Active, I did reserves for, I want to say eight years, 63 Whiskey for reserves uh, because the uh, Army Reserves does, did not have any uh, combat units or anything. So I, I ended up working on Humvees and, and Deuce and a Halfs and stuff like that for my weekend drills. So stuff like that. Okay. The next one is from Pacifica. Pacifica529 says, love the channel. My first live show. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, you didn't get a question, though. You just got me to. So uh, welcome. That's a. Uh, so Pacifica529, do you like Yamaha Pacifica guitars? Because that would be cool because then your name would match the guitar you like. All right. What else do we got going on? <laughs> Rex Navarro wants to know, Phil, have you ever spent a whole day playing every guitar you own and would take, and would it take all day? Uh, LOL. Um, no, not every guitar, not in the same day. I've never like sat and played every guitar, but I have, I do often sit and just go through certain guitars. Um, and not in a good way. I think a lot of times when I'm playing a lot of guitars to, to be, perfectly just honest a lot of times when if i spend a day or like an afternoon it's always like an afternoon or something you know you have some time and you just want to spend playing guitar sometimes you know you're played out that's what happens with me sometimes i practice guitar and i play and then all of a sudden i'm just kind of i'm burnt out but i'm not done you know being involved with you know music as a whole just kind of done practicing and i'll start goofing around and doing stuff and I find when I go through guitars, it's never in a positive way. It's never like, oh, let's play all the different guitars and hear how they sound. It's always like, I think I'm going to get rid of a guitar. Which guitar do I not love anymore? <laughs> so um, it's, um, uh, you know, it, it's just a thing you do. Uh, but honestly, I think I've said this. In fact, I've just said this like an hour ago. I was in a conversation. Um I, I really just play my Strat and my PRS Mira. I have this PRS Mira that I bought in 2013. So I've had it for five years. And what was funny was, uh, I'll just tell you, um, uh, 
uh, Lawrence Petros was here. We went to lunch today and uh, we were hanging out and he saw my guitar and he was looking at it because there's a chip taken out of my mirror. And I showed him the sides of the mirror where it's all be banged up and chipped. And, and I even showed him my frets where they're worn out in spots really bad. And I told him, I go, cause I play it so much. It's, it's funny. It's like, I, I, I just have never found a PRS guitar that I like as much as just that one guitar. It's just a guitar I just bond with. And just like my strats, I, I play the strat. So, although I like to play guitars and collect them, there's just guitars I'm, I'm connected to. Okay. There's a couple of them. A couple of questions, really interesting ones. Let's see. Uh, next one was from Jim Ed, who says, what's your opinion of the new Gibson CEO? Um, I don't know. Do we know him? Right. He came from uh, Levy's, like Levy's leathers, like the straps. Am I right? Does that sound familiar? I mean, I read the brief uh, announcement. Uh, I, I'm excited for Gibson. I think a lot of people, if you're, if you're a Gibson, you know, guitar player, I'm a Gibson guitar player. There's my Gibson's, my SG's right there. Um, you know, uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I have a, another Gibson in mind in my future and a uh, guitar and, um, and an Epiphone, you know, I've been still thinking about getting an Epiphone. And, uh, so I like the idea that Gibson's going to continue on. I said this, uh, a year ago. Uh, I think it was a year ago when this first, when the first thing about the bankruptcy ca came around, I said that what I predict predicted was they'll reorganize, get some new, new management in there and, and keep going. And that's what they're doing. And I'm excited for it. I hope good things come from it. Maybe they'll have some good vision. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's better to be an optimist than a pessimist. So Mel says the new CEO appears to have the right genes for the job. Are they like, holy jeans or they I, I know what you mean man at least i hope i do oh oh dave our guitars dave our guitar said no it's levi's like levi's jeans ah now i get the joke so it's funny is i <laughs> that's what happens when you uh i talk about guitar so much i have trouble saying the word car um I say guitar so much in the house. My children and wife have trouble saying the word car. If in my house, if somebody says I left it in the car, they say I left it in the guitar. If we say, Hey, let's, uh, where's the car parked? We say, where's the guitar parked? I mean, car, we say it all the time, uh, because we say guitar so much. So I guess when I saw Levi's, I thought of Levy's uh, just because I'm, um, yeah, that's what happens when you talk about gear all the time. <laughs> and I don't mean cause of YouTube. I've been, <laughs> I talk about gear forever. So, uh, let's see. Uh, Shane says, I left a comment on your Mustang video, uh, of why Katana amps should not be called modeling amps. I reckon boss would probably want people to know. Yeah, but Shane, I saw that. I, I don't, I don't really think anybody cares. The, 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 I, I, but I appreciate you putting the comment just like everybody who puts comments. It's nice to get clarifying and stuff, but the, the Katana amp, whether like I use cube amps and they, I don't necessarily agree with the whole terminology of modeling and when something's digital versus solid state. I understand the technical terms of that, but you understand like uh, one of my amps that I really like uh, that I've been mentioning since the day I started this channel is the uh, Fender Super Champ X2. It's a tube amp, but it's actually not a tube amp. It doesn't have a tube pre it doesn't have a tube preamp section. It has a tube preamp tube in it. But unfortunately, that preamp tube is not assigned to the preamp section. It's in the power section. So although that amp is technically a tube amp, it's technically not. It's a hybrid. It's half tube, half solid state uh, and digital, I guess. Uh, so I understand what you mean. But 
Yeah, it's uh, I'm sure why boss wants to to kind of push maybe that's a solid stadium. The Katana amp and the um, uh, when I did that review of the Mustang amp this week, uh, what I will tell you is what I kind of said at the end. Uh, I liked it for a lot of things. I liked the Katana for a lot of things. Deep down, though, I, I realized just for me, I like the Super Champ X2. That's where I landed. Um, so and I, I don't know what it is. It has nothing to do with tubes. I would love to tell you it's because I'm a tube guy. I don't know if that's what it is about the Super Champ. I think it's just once you get used to something or once you find something you like, you just like it. But that's what I like. Uh, Justin Mabe says, hey, Phil, where's the best location before or after my dirt pedals to place a TC quintessence uh, on the pedal board? I have it set up in the nerd whammy position. Oh, for the, at the moment. Cool. I use mine at the front. So I use it right before everything, just like a whammy pedal. Uh, so that's where I like to have mine is before the uh, distortion. So my quintessence is right at the beginning. Uh, David wants to know if I ever tried a Marshall Hayes or Chinese. Wait, is that two different things? Oh, two questions. We're going to have to separate that because it's going to get weird. Dave wants to know if I've ever tried a Marshall Hayes. I have. Um, you know, it's perspective. When I first tried the Marshall Hayes, I thought it was horrible. <laughs> and then later they came out with other amps like the DSL series, the first DSL, not the newer one. And uh, then looking back, I go, maybe the haze wasn't what I thought it was. And I tried the haze again. And I liked it the second time. So I ended up enjoying the haze the second time, but not the first time I played it. And I think it's because maybe when I played the haze, I had a different expectation and it just didn't meet those expectations. But the second time I kind of looked at it as, you know, maybe nostalgia, like, oh, that thing was kind of cool. Um, but overall, my my personal opinion on the haze now is it's a pretty cool amp. I see they go for pretty decent money. They don't, they don't, you know, they're not worth a lot, but they're, you know, holding value. And I think they're pretty cool. Um, or what do I think of Chinese loaded pick cards? You know, I don't know what I think of a Chinese loaded pick card. I have done, I've installed things in the past for customers where I've loaded in a, a fully loaded pick card that they bought off some website. Never thought about doing a review of it though. That actually might be a product to do because it's not very expensive to get into. Um, and I do have an opinion about pickups. I, I do really believe that a lot of the inexpensive pickups are never given the credit they're supposed to, uh, or to do, they're not supposed to do. I think a lot of inexpensive pickups are really good. Um, I, I, and I, I've, I, that reason I have that opinion, so you know, is because I have installed so many pickups over the years that over time you start realizing like, I don't know. You know what I mean? You can't really hear some of the stuff that you think you can hear. Uh, so you hear a pickup and and you go, well, this is this is a cheap, you know, $20 Chinese pickup and it's junk. And then you play it and you go, you know, it's not that bad. Um, and that's because, like I said, sometimes when you're comparing pickups, you're just comparing something. Like if I compare uh, a Seymour Duncan to an import Chinese pickup and I say the Seymour Duncan's better, but if they're the same, in other words, that you know, if you if you uh, meter them and they're the same and everything's the same and they're same type of magnets and the same kind of construction, that difference becomes very very finite very small um where if they're actually different pickups like one's a, a ceramic and one's an el Ninko and one's you know uh 14k and one's uh, 9k those differences are different but uh, there you go uh and so also too i remember back in the day all the Ch chinese import pickups were really bad everything just had a weird sound to it uh to me it was always like a weird envelope filter like it was stuck had a weird hollowness uh to a lot of the pickups i never liked but 
I think it's because I think we live in a world where everything gets cloned and copied and the clones and copied get cloned so much. I actually think this is funny. I think that so many people clone the high end stuff that then the, the, the copies get copied by somebody else and then copied by somebody else. And so overall the quality of it gets better because of the fact that they're so the clones are of originally, even though they're clones of clones, they're clones of something that was pretty good. Um, so uh, the next is kind of ties in. Chuck's got a question. It says, Phil, Seymour Duncan's or DiMaggio's to beef up a Harlan Benton Telecaster. So uh, the I have a Telecaster with Seymour Duncan's. I have the uh, Billy Gibbons, the BG 1400 in the bridge and neck on my Telecaster. That being said, I am a huge, for Telecasters, I'm a huge DiMaggio fan. So I like both. Uh, <laughs> there's no winner for me. Uh, I will tell you this. I like the BG 1400s. I would highly recommend them to anyone, but price wise, I think you can find a better deal on DiMaggio's. So if money's not uh, an obstacle for you, I would look at what I got. The BG 1400s, man, they, they're killer. But if you want to save a little scratch, I think it's like half the price to get the DiMaggio's price $70 a piece for the DiMaggio's versus mine, which are like 130, $140 a piece. Uh, So, okay. Yeah, Pacifica 529 says, can a cheap pickup be that much cheaper than a good pickup? Well, you know, uh, cheaper in, yes, no, wait. Got to make sure I understand the question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take your question as, can a cheap pickup cost much less to manufacture than a good pickup? When you say cheaper, I'm going to say that's the question, right? If that's the question, can an inexpensive uh, pickup? Um, no, not a whole lot. So, um, you know, manufacturers kind of prove that. A lot of manufacturers will make their own pickups and sometimes they'll use Seymour Duncan's or DiMaggio's or brand name pickups. And I've had personal discussions with those manufacturers and they seem to elude that a lot of the, the biggest part of a pickup's cost to them is the brand. So they can make a pickup in their factory for a certain price and they can buy one for Seymour Duncan. But the main difference of the, the reason why the Seymour Duncan is much more is the brand that they have to, you know, they have to pay for that brand power. Let's be honest, Seymour Duncan and DiMaggio have brand power. Uh, you put, you know, like somebody just asked a minute ago about his Harley Benton, you know, those DiMaggio's or Seymour Duncan's, if that Harley Benton came with those pickups, it would increase the cost of that guitar to, to the consumer. Um, because of one, it costs more, but two, it's a brand perception. So, uh, Stu wants to know when retailers like guitar center or Sweetwater do exclusive models with someone like Gibson, is that a special run? Is that special run generally better or lesser quality, uh, versus manufacturers? You know, it's funny. The answer the sad is, is going to be both. And here's a perfect example. And I'll use things that I like to use from some, some experiences, uh, that maybe I've seen. Guitar Center had an exclusive forever on the Blues Junior Tweed amp. Now it's available at all music stores, you know, all Fender dealers. You can get a Fender Blues Junior and Tweed from any music store. But for a long time, it was a Guitar Center only uh, uh, product. So what Guitar Center was said one day is like they said, hey, look, we're buying so many Blues Juniors. We want to have one in Tweed. And I think they had the... Uh, the Jensen put in it. And that was an exclusive to Guitar Center. And it was improved and it had a little bit of inc price increase added to it. Um, but it was something that the buying power of Guitar Center was able to dictate. Um, I can't tell you for sure, but I will tell you what I believe to be true. Uh, when that amp was made available to the, all Fender dealers, it happened to happen right in the middle of the heart of the recession, in the summer of the recession, 
which is not only a, a bad time because of recession, but the summertime is a, a very bad sales time for retailers. And so when I, be I believe the main reason Fender probably opened up the Tweed line, the Tweed Blues Jr. to all dealers was probably because Guitar Center was not buying enough of that model to make sense. So they thought, let's open it up. I don't know. Maybe Guitar Center didn't feel the need to be exclusive anymore. Or maybe the exclusive contract expired. Again, I can only give you the perception of what happened at that time. But the point of the story is in that, in that particular instance, Guitar Center had the manufacturer make a slightly improved quality product, giving you tweed, which is a more expensive material to put on the guitar or the amp, and then give you a, a more expensive speaker, Italian Jensen. Uh, and the price was not very, very high considering what you got. However... I have also seen the opposite. I have seen, uh, uh, we've all seen retailers ask manufacturers to make stuff that's like something they do, but cheaper quality. So you have to always be a little cautious. I would love to tell you that I've seen it sway one way more than the other. My guess, because, you know, why not just throw a guess out there? My guess is that if I, I was going to guess, Sweetwater will generally probably have their stuff have a higher quality than uh, GC. One thing I will tell you that I thought was pretty cool Sweetwater did was Sweetwater did a limited run of PRS CEs, that's bolt-on guitars, in satin finish. And when they did that, the price was $1,500 versus $2,000. And satin finish is a lot easier to do than gloss finish. It takes less buffing, it takes less time, and it's a faster uh, finish to put on the guitar, therefore making the guitar cost a little less to manufacture. And Sweetwater got PRS to do that and obviously doing that saved money. So Sweetwater lowered the price. I thought that was cool because I've seen manufacturers do the opposite. I've seen them actually do a satin finish on a guitar, but hold the price the same. And uh, I always kind of, that's my pet peeve because I know it costs less to make that finish. And I hate the idea that I'm paying the same for something that costs less. You know, you, you, you like to see some of the savings come your way since they're, they're saving a little bit. But uh you got to be cautious either ways. You got to take a time, take a moment, moment to educate yourself. Um, you know what I mean? But those are some experiences I've seen. Uh, Pacifica 529 says, how are pickups different from each other? Just wired magnets, right? How do they dial in sound uh, that they're looking for? I mean, hum versus hum and such. Well, pickups, there's a, there is definitely a magic to making pickups. I've seen enough pickup makers make pickups uh, to know there is something, it's kind of like a chef, you know, you got to know when to, when to stop adding salt, when to stop adding, you know, flavors, when to add flavors, you know, there's a little bit to it. It's, I don't argue that I could argue, actually, let's back up again. I could argue exactly what you're saying, wire and magnets and piece of pl and plastic and fiber bobbins. That's a pickup and by materials, these are the hardwired costs, no pun intended, but it would be like saying tomatoes, uh, you know, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get the analogy. Please understand tomatoes and mushrooms and um, zucchini and, uh, you know, salt and, 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 you know, pepper and garlic. Those are the ingredients. But two different chefs could give you a totally different experience. And I think a lot of times that's where mag, that's where pickups derive a lot of cost from. They'll that one chef when everybody decides when they have that taste test and everybody goes, man, this chef has the best sauce. That chef is going to instinctively go, okay, my jar of sauce is nine ninety nine, not four ninety nine like that guy's jar of sauce. And I think pickups work the same way. I think once somebody makes a great pickup, they really want to hold true to the 
to the way that they made that. That's why I said sometimes the Chinese are, I don't say Chinese per se, because there's a lot of Korean pickups out there more so than Chinese sometimes in aftermarket. But those pickups are so good for the price because they're just copying what somebody else did. And and unlike a copy like a Gibson or a Fender, when somebody knocks them off like the Chipsons and the uh, Chenders and the Chibanezes or Chibanezes or whatever you guys call these guitars, when they knock off those, it, it, knocking off a pickup is a really strange thing because it's hard. You know, no one actually puts a logo on a pickup and no one really gives an identity to the point where the knockoffs uh, are perceivable. So it's really easy to have, you know, knockoff pickups. I really believe a lot of people, uh, and I really believe this, I really believe that a lot of guitar players out there are yanking out fake Chinese made Seymour Duncan JB and 59 copies out of the guitars and putting real 59 uh, JBs or 59s and JBs in their guitars. And it's funny to me, you know what I mean? Cause they're probably not changing a whole lot cause the copy was already in there, but you know, it's no company is going to actively go, Hey, our guitar is only two ninety nine, And guess what? We knocked off some of the best pickups out there <laughs> and that's why it sounds good. So that, that stuff is really kind of sometimes comes kept secret on the side note. Or I should say on the flip of the coin of that is I've also seen where manufacturers have put the cheapest pickups in guitars. So, you know, I had a good experience. I'll, I'll bring up Chapman on this. Uh, if you guys know, I reviewed the ghost Fred on Chapman and I took the pickups out for a sharp of my ax. That guitar was uh, a, a sold off and for a sharp max. And I uh, put new pickups in it. The pickups that I took out of it. Uh, I I've seen many places stated and on the internet by, I think the Chapman people and also in writing that they use not so high end pickups in those, uh, lower price point guitars. Cause they, you know, I think I saw somewhere where Chapman said, I didn't put a whole lot of money into the pickups of those guitars because I think a lot of players are going to get those guitars and upgrade the pickups, the pickups that were in that Chapman, they look exactly like DiMaggio's. I mean, they're really, really cloned to the DiMaggio look in every way. Even the back plates. I mean, it was, it wasn't just the 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 screws. It was the whole thing just had that uh, DiMaggio vibe to the point where it looked like a DiMaggio pickup. So, who knows? Uh, but what I'm saying is, is that it's hard to tell with pickups. Is basically, what I'm getting at. Sorry, guys, got to drink some. I'm going to lose my voice if I don't drink something. Uh, Gunky Zip says, your opinion on Ibanez RG450 DX for an 11-year-old? Um, well, it's got a, it's got the Floyd, right? It's got their, their, their bridge. I had the RG450 DX in black. Pretty sure that's what I had. Does it have the shark teeth inlays? Can't remember. Pretty sure that's the one I had. And uh, I liked it. You know, uh, just be aware of your, the tremolo system, which, you know, it's the, it's the Ibanez version of the Floyd, but I'm trying to think if the four, I got to look now. Sorry, guys. We can't, we can't let the 11 year old get the first wrong guitar. Okay. Let's take a look. Yep. It's got the tremolo. Um, I'm not a big fan of giving uh, beginners a Floyd style tremolo, although a lot of people have tried started on them and no problems. This is what I'm going to tell you, Gunky Zip. Please make sure that you're versed on them and how they work. Uh, don't walk down that road, uh, you know, without information. So uh, now I have a video called "How to Live with Your Floyd Rose If You Don't Love It" or something like that. And uh, that video is specifically for this situation. Let's say you buy a guitar like that and you're having trouble with it. It's quick fixes. It's ways you can make that guitar happen. Um, 
unless something changes tech tip Tuesdays, this tech tips Tuesdays video is how to restring a Floyd Rose. That might also help you too. All right. Cadson, uh, Cadson, um, man, I'm sorry. What am I going to try anymore? Cadson, Zinjin, too. <laughs> Best noiseless telly pickup or only real single coils have the tone. Oh, you know what? No, I have the BG 1400s. My BG 1400s by Seymour Duncan and my telly are noiseless. They're stacked humbuckers. They sound fantastic. So uh, I like a lot of those. Also, like, uh, uh, what's the... Uh, there's a bunch I like uh, for noiseless uh, telly pickups. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of it. Twisted Telly? Does that sound right from DiMarcio? I love that pickup. I just hope I'm saying it right. I'm pretty sure it's a Twisted Telly. Yeah, Jared Briggs says, that's the reason I don't have a Floyd. Yeah, yeah, like I said, you gotta, it's a, it's a cautionary tale. You know what I mean? The, uh, you can, you, I think you can be fine, but also you can be walking down a trap. So just be cautious. I'm going to poke around. I got some super chats pinned, guys. I just want to find some non-super chats. Find a good question, good comment. Uh... Okay. Uh, Pacifica 529 says, I'll stick with Seymour Duncan because it's easy to compare them for e to each other. Yeah, I like Seymour Duncan. 90% of my guitars have Seymour Duncans. Um, and, uh, well, I shouldn't say 90. It's like 70% because I have a lot of DiMarjos and then stock pickups too. But I have more Seymour Duncans than uh, DiMarjos in my guitars. And I feel guilty about that because DiMarjo sent me some cool pickups. <laughs> So, uh, I, I do feel like I kind of want to buy some more DiMarjos for my guitars. Cause I always liked them and you know, they were really nice to me sending those pickups out. Uh, Rex says, I, uh, like Ralph said, Chapman guitars are overrated. He did say that. I remember, <laughs> I remember when he said that, cause I was in shock that he was going to say that, uh, not because it was uh, Chapman, just because I was shocked that he, he thought that I, it's one of those things you think, you know, your friend thought that. Okay. Um, what else do we got? Oh, Matthew uh, wants to know, do I like the Music Man Strat Cutlass? I do, man. That That is a guitar. I keep seeing YouTube videos with that guitar in them. And every time I see one, I'm just like, that guitar. You know what it is? It's like a really, it's re a really beautiful Strat. I, everybody's going to have a different opinion about the Cutlass, the Music Man Cutlass. But to me, like if I was going to change the Strat in a way, you know, if they, if Fender said, Hey, let me let, you know, let, they let me just do whatever I want to a strat. I think I would, that's where I would end up. That shape is just, I don't know. It's just something about how smoothed it out. You know what it is and stuff. I really love it. I love the ones with the, uh, the bank, ma bank maple, uh, necks. Yeah. Music man cutlass for sure. So. Okay. All right. Sorry, guys. I'm just looking around. Oh, the guitar pit says, hey, Phil, did you see Agile now has premium guitars that are 1500 plus? Pretty funny, but uh, they look pretty decent, to be honest. You know, I think that's the evolution. You, you know, uh, I can tell you this. Um, and I think, uh, players, older players that are watching right now will really relate to the statement. There are a lot of companies that you, this is something, especially the younger players will, will soon lo learn. 
there are a lot of companies uh, that start out in the economy world like Ibanez and, um, and uh, Fender, <laughs> right? They start out making the cheap stuff and then over time they just keep growing. And I think that's a natural evolution for a company. So Agile has been around for a while. There's a lot of players been buying them because they were great price points and they really swear by them. And what happens I think to a company is if, you know, when your customers are like, man, this is great. And for the money, it's a steal. You know, companies like to feel good about giving you a deal but they don't want to feel like you, you know, they're given away. <laughs> you know what I mean? So after time, I think they're, I think like the Harley Bittons now got the next level guitars. I think, uh, I think the Harley Benton though is a very accelerated process. It seems like Harley Benton just came out of nowhere, even though I know there's, there's Harley Benton reviews as far as, you know, a few years back for sure. Um, I think that's just the natural evolution. Uh, you put out your product, you get a lot of product, especially if you can do what agile did, which is be known for good, quality for the price and and everybody has different perspectives of whether or not the agiles are good quality or not but i think the real takeaway from that brand is good quality for the price so i think it starts making them think hey why don't we push the the price up a little bit um the uh and then uh yeah and guitar bit says yeah 1500 still makes you chuckle the problem i have is i i i really don't know what to say anymore it's a different world you know ibanez has guitars made in indonesia for 1500 now and uh it, it's a strange thing because i i i don't i don't have to think back you know 20 30 years ago i mean 10 years ago i could buy a, a made in japan ibanez for a thousand bucks new i don't mean used i mean new and uh and I don't mean one, like there was a bunch of them, right? You can made in Japan, uh, Fuji Gen, thousand bucks. Now made in Indonesia, twelve to fifteen hundred dollars. And so it's uh it, it's a it's a perspective change. So yeah, I understand why it makes you chuckle. It's it's for me, it's more old hat than new hat. Is I've seen this so many times with a company. Uh, I, I just, I make sense that that's the evolution of it. And I would imagine that uh, just like a uh, perspective to you and me. $1,500 for an Agile. Why well, I don't, I didn't want an Agile at $500. So $1,500 is definitely not something I'm interested in. Nothing against Agile. It's just, and it's nothing about the pricing. It's just, I didn't, I've never felt compelled to buy an Agile. So when they were 500 bucks, it didn't compel me. It sure isn't going to compel me at $1,500. Uh, Enrico wants to know, Phil, you think Marshall will ever go the way of Gibson? They focus on heavily on lifestyle. Uh, USM jam is a nightmare and everyone else makes a better Marshall than Marshall, man, you're preaching to the choir. Uh, you know, I got my Marshall, you know, here's the deal. Everybody talked about, you know, you guys know the, the an inevitability of this. I bought the, uh, Marshall DSL one watt and I should have got the, the 20 or whatever. Uh, and then I was talking about getting the origin and you know what happened? I was looking at the origin and I think the origin 50 watt head was like a 700 bucks. That sound right? 600 bucks. And I was like, bam, I bought that. That's an English made, um, vintage modern. I bought that a couple weeks ago for $660, 50 Watts. Uh, looks like it's brand new and it's made in England. And, uh, so I bought it because I could buy an actual made in England, uh, Marshall for less than I can buy an import. Well, I know they're both imports, but you want to make, you know, an Asian made, uh, uh, inexpensive price Marshall. And it's not about, and guitar hack has got a great point. Origin amps are great. That's not the, that's not what that's about. It's not about whether or not this is better or those, uh, it's about the value proposition. I saw that and I thought, you know what, here's what I know. 
I know a Marshall 50 watt made in England head most likely is at $600 is going to be worth $600 for a long time. So I might as well buy it and play it for a while. And if I decide to get, you know, if I get sick of it in a year or two and I get rid of it, I'll probably get my money out of it. And, um, and I think the origin and stuff is, is, is some of the best moves Mar Marshall's made in years, but I do agree. I really wish and Marshall on Instagram sometimes is depressing, uh, because it's just constant reminders like cell phone cases and, uh, and, uh, you know, refrigerators and Bluetooth speakers and, you know, just like, you know, I understand that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. In other words, what I'm saying is I believe like Gibson and uh, they're trying to be a lifestyle brand. I think Fender has definitely been master of the lifestyle brand. And I think it's because Fender is like Harley Davidson. There's just something intuitive about that. And the idea, what I mean by that is a lifestyle brand isn't about us. If you're into Gibsons and you buy Fender, uh, Gibson shirts, that makes sense to me. A lifestyle brand in, in essence is a brand that projects a lifestyle to people who don't live that lifestyle case in point people who wear sex wax t-shirts in arizona i live in arizona there's people walking around with sex wax t-shirts they've never surfed a day in their life they've never even seen the ocean <laughs> they got a surf t-shirt on um i'm not making fun of that i'm just explaining that as a lifestyle uh logic um people buying fender shirts and then i'm in a line somewhere and i'm like oh you play guitar and they're like no <laughs> like oh they're like, yeah, I got a target. <laughs> so, uh, and lifestyle, you know what, you know what? And this is not, it's not, it's just not, not brands anymore. It's, uh, people wearing Rolling Stones, ACDC t-shirts, uh, Guns N' Roses t-shirts. They buy at Target, literally, uh, you know, Led Zeppelin, you name the brand, uh, the band they've never even heard the band. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that's, uh, part of the lifestyle thing. And I think Marshall and I think Gibson want sometimes too much to be a lifestyle brand. I don't know. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll knock it. Maybe they'll do it. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't knock it, but, uh, I just, and I'm not upset that they're doing that. I just wish that I think feels, I feel sometimes it's that detriment to their other activities. In other words, I, sometimes I wish that Marshall would not seem to come across like they're working on the next new lifestyle product instead of making more products that we really love from Marshall, because here's the, here's the issue with a perfect example behind me. I have two Marshalls behind me. I have a couple Marshalls downstairs. I, I like Marshalls, you know, I like them. Uh, and so, and I agree with you. I have two Freedmans and I love my Freedmans and, but, but no offense to David Freeman cause he's a great amp builder and I like him no matter what people think about uh, his amps or not. I like them. And, but the majority of the time I will be honest in the idea of, well, when I say majority of time, I mean the majority of time why I purchased Freedom Amps is because honestly, I wanted a Marshall that did what his amp does. And Marshall's not making product like that. So. So. Um, all right. So anyways, next next thing. Let's, let's go over here and uh, see what else. See what else is going on. Okay. Hold on. I just want to make sure I'm not missing stuff. Um, got to scroll back. Okay. So Shane says, how would you compare the build quality between music man and PRS? I own a cutlass and love it. Great. I will tell you exactly Shane, how I will compare the two. I will compare the two the way Paul Reed Smith compared the two. Uh, my understanding is Paul Reed Smith was at a clinic once, uh, recently. I mean, in the last couple months, he was at a clinic and he said, grab a guitar off the wall and I'll show you the difference between a PRS and why the PRS is so much qual better quality. And I guess somebody grabbed a music man and Paul goes, well, not a music man. 
because we already know those are quality. Um, so there you go. From the man himself, apparently he said uh, he acknowledges the the Music Man's are as good as the PRS's. Uh, me, I own both. You know, uh, Music Man and PRS, and um, there's things I like about. Believe it or not, there's things about I like about uh, both them that that are interesting to me. Um, but overall. Overall, I like Music Man more than PRS. They're just more expensive than PRS. And and maybe people don't see that, but like my S2 right there, you know, I, I think I have 800 bucks into that guitar. Uh, maybe nine now. So under a thousand. Uh, my Mira was under a thousand. My Reclaimed was, it was more than a thousand, but less than 1500. Um, so yeah, I have a high-end PRS, but I have one high-end Music Man as well too. So same thing. You know, if Music Man made more guitars in the thousand dollar range, that's more of a comfort zone thing for me because I can buy American Strats for about a thousand bucks. I'd buy more Music Man's, uh, but I prefer Music Man's over PR, uh, to PRS's for just overall because they because I'm a more of a Fender guy, Strat guy, so they lend themselves more Strats. PRS is still I've never ever overcome the fact that all the guitars cut into my arm uh, a little bit, and I don't like that. But um, I love Paul Reed Smith and the idea that I love. Uh, a company that's still around, still trying to improve themselves, and the owner still owns the company. That's always a good thing. Just like Sterling Ball, he still has control of the company. It's really great. You know what I mean? Not every company is going to stay that way. You know, most companies are have a second, third owner or a corporation owning it. Uh, not that that's wrong, just different. Brian wants to know, hey, Phil, love the live shows. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. I should call brother. 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 Brian. Buddy. Brother. Quackenbush is his last name. And he says, Brian Quackenbush says, Phil, love the show at live shows. What acoustic guitar you suggest for in between $600 to $900? It's like buying a car. There are so many choices. I know. The problem with acoustic guitars, and they're so, the electric guitars are a little bit simpler to talk about, especially verbally. Acoustic guitars, there's, I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's dreadnoughts, there's folk style guitars. You really have to kind of figure out what style of acoustic you want, what you want the acoustic to do. But I will give you the advice. I give advice about all guitars. Um, the first thing you do when you buy a guitar, doesn't matter the price. I always tell people, stop focusing on the price. That's not how I buy guitars. Um, price to me is easy. If you can't afford it, well, then that, it doesn't matter. I, you know, that, that answer is, is done for you, <laughs> right? <laughs> if something is out of your budget, that decision is made for you. You don't have to make that decision. So it's about making decisions on guitar, about guitars in your budget. In other words, of the guitars you can afford, which one should you pick? And the best thing to do is without playing a guitar, uh, you can and, you know you can write down on a piece of paper some, uh, what I like to call, um, not standards, but write down some expectations. I've done this before. Say, write down some expectations. And you go, look, I'd like the acoustic to be really resonant. And I'd like the acoustic to have a lot of bass or warmth. And this is a nice little cheat seat. You put it, you put it in your pocket when you go try acoustic guitars. You say, look, I want the acoustic to feel a certain way. I want, you know, it's important that the guitar weighs a certain weight to me. It, it's important to me that it has electronics. If, it, if electronics are important to you, make sure it has electronics. If it doesn't matter, don't put it on the sheet. Put down on it like a checklist of all the things that matter to you that you feel are important, that the fret ends feel good. For me, one of the things that make guitars exciting for me is I set up guitars all the time for a living. So when a guitar, when I pick up a guitar and it plays great, man, it's it's like magic because it's like it's not more work for me, <laughs> right? It's like a landscaper, you know, wanting to 
to prune his own bushes, you know, it's, it's the last thing he wants to do after all day of, 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 you know, doing, taking care of yards. So to me, the last thing I want to do is work on guitars sometimes after I work on guitars all day. So, so what happens is you write down this list, you know, that you want the guitar to play and feel good with the action, maybe without having to have a setup. And you write down these expectations. And the great thing about that is, is it doesn't matter what those expectations are. What matters is, is when you find a guitar and you go, okay, yeah, it has this, it has this, it has this. What I find is funny that people do. This is something that I find everybody does. And this is from experience of selling guitars to people. You'll play a guitar and you'll go, man, 450 bucks. I love this guitar, but my budget is between six and nine. Maybe I need to find a slightly better guitar than this or in the 650 range since I, you know, and it's always about find you because you, when you wire in your head, a budget that becomes the most important thing to you which I tell people is not the most important thing. The most important thing is that you love the instrument. And the second thing is on that note, what happens if you play a guitar and the only guitar you love is $1,500. It's the only thing that, that meets the standards, but your budget's between six and nine. Well, you know what? Here's my advice. Don't buy a guitar. Wait, just wait it out. You'll find it. You know, right? If you wait for the guitar, it will come. I promise. It always, you always find an instrument. There's always a deal. If you go out there and you go, man, I played a Taylor, blah, 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 and it's the best guitar ever, but it's just out of my price range. Then you, now you're you get hyper-focused on that guitar. Just find a used version, a deal, a discount, a coupon, uh, somebody selling it on Craigslist. Find it and then try that guitar out and get the guitar. But that's where I would put my focus. And that's, that is based on, uh, what I've seen a lot of people buy, how they've seen a lot of people purchase instruments and the mistakes and things in the, that I've seen them make. All right. So I want my $2. <laughs> uh, he's, he's got a question. I'm assuming it's he. I could be wrong. I want my $2. Could be a female too. So I'm sorry about that. It says, uh, been taking lessons for 1.5 years. Uh, thinking of going on uh, the online route. Uh, what, any suggestions? Yes. Okay. So this is going to be a horrible thing, but I'm, I'm in a problem right now thinking about this. Here's the problem. I have a video it's done and it's called how to pick a guitar teacher. And it actually comes with a downloadable PDF of things I think you should be looking for when you're looking at teachers and things you should ask teachers. And this includes online lessons, things that I suggest for you. And um, this is important to me because uh, this came as a, uh, a comment on one of the videos from a, from a viewer. And I thought, yeah, that'd be a fun video. And I actually uh, spent some time not only making the list and the PDF, but I reached out to the people in the industry that I really respect that not only teach, but actually own lesson academies as well, uh, along with, you know, my experience. And, um, so I'm going to hold off. I want my $2. Uh, but I promise, uh, that video it's not, it's not gonna come out next week. It's the following week. I was thinking about moving it up because your question, but I just can't move it up. It's gotta be the following week. So it'll be the following week and that will help. Uh, and, but a quick suggestion, if I can get a quick suggestion to you, uh, for online lessons, um, you know, I like, uh, Marty Schwartz. I like Justin guitar. I like music is win. I like Robert Baker. I like, uh, David Wildman. There's a lot of them out there that I like. Um, some of those people I just mentioned, I know them personally, some of them I don't. So obviously they're just mixed in there and you don't know which ones are which, but what I will tell you is what I like about all of them. They, uh, all care about teaching. But most importantly, they uh, are are focused on trying to make a curriculum uh, based on that. And uh, some of them are better at it. But I, my personal experience has been sometimes a plan is not as important as, you know, just liking the person. 
know what I mean? Sometimes it's their personality. So, um, but with all that being said, trust your gut. <laughs> Go online, watch somebody. If you feel good about watching their their content and learning from them, then go trust your gut and go with it. If it immediately doesn't feel right, even though you think, you know, Harry, everybody's watching this guy. He must be good. Don't go with it. If your gut, you know, trust your gut. Um, let me pop around because I got a couple. It's 875 of us. It's a lot of people on a Friday. Okay. Let me, here's one and it's, it just jumped. Where's it at? Jeff. Jeff wants to know from watching in the blues. That's Shane. Yep. I like Shane channel. I purchased a PV band at 112 Sheffield with a selection G12 T75. What are your thoughts on the selection speaker? Uh, I like the G12 G12 75. The funny thing is I used to only play G12 T75 speakers. Uh, I think every cabinet owned forever had them and I like them. My, my personal feeling is uh, I've never looked at the specs. So I'm just going off what my, ear detects and stuff. I always thought they had a bassier, more powerful sound, fuller than a normal selection. Maybe they're higher wattage. Maybe that's probably part of it. 75 Watts. Um, like them. A lot of people uh, upgraded to uh, vintage thirties. That's why I did it years ago. I just said, Hey, you know, everybody's like, Oh, if you like these, get the real ones, get the vintage thirties. And then I did that. And then I go, Oh, maybe these are better. And then everybody's like, Oh, if you like vintage thirties, you'll really like greenbacks. And then I did that and uh, greenbacks were good, but I kind of vintage thirties were, uh, a nice in between between what I thought the greenback was doing and the GT uh, G12 T was doing, uh, but I like the G12 T um, on that on that amp even. So, so if you're thinking about switching it, you can. But I liked it the way it was. Um, Sean is a Cubs fan. Sorry, Sean. Shawnee. Shawnee is a Cub fan. Says, do you think the Marshall Class Five amps will be sought after one day? They already are, buddy. If not, what discontinued modern amp? will be collectible. Collectible is a hard thing. Uh, so I wouldn't say classifiers are collectible, but there's my class five right there. And uh, uh, new, they were 350 brand new. So I don't know what they're going for used, but I think they're going for three, 350 brand new. So that's a pretty good, uh, that's pretty good. That means if you bought one that came out in like what, 2009 or whenever they came out new for 350, um, they might even be 300 when they first came out. I have to think about that. So, uh, but either way, they're worth the same use as new. So, uh, I like mine and, um, I've learned the hard way for all of you guys to have a uh, class fives. Uh, I had one, I sold it and, uh, I think I got, like I said, a, a 350 new, I didn't, I didn't pay that. I think I paid like 250 or 220, sold it for 200, bought another one for 250, <laughs> sold that one. Cause again, I wasn't using it and I was like, oh, it's not that great of an amp. And then I sold it for 250. And then I got another one, luckily one day for like, I think I made two for this one. And, uh, and they, you know, I lucked out. So here's the deal. Don't get rid of them They're, you, you know, unless you really think you're never going to buy it again, because they're, they're going to keep going in value. They go in, up in value because they're made in England. It's a five watt amp. It's, it's cool. And it's made in England. Uh, I can't say there's anything special about it, but it's definitely a, a fun amp. I liked it. I, and I like running pedals through it. It's really cool. Okay. Uh, Colin James wants to know, Hey Phil, do you think it's better? It's a better idea to buy a used German made Warwick base or one of their brand new rock base models. Uh, I I'm, Oh, I the used German 
Warwick bass. I looked at a bunch of them. Um, I like the rock bass stuff overall for quality. Uh, I've actually picked up a couple rock basses that were dodgy that weren't very good. Um, they seem better now in the last few years than they were the, you know, than a couple years back when they used to be, they used to say rock bass on them. Now they just have the W and stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, I've seen a couple of the German made Warwick basses. Those are ger the German made Warwick basses. What's crazy about them is they're super, super expensive new, but every once in a while you find them used for a song. Uh, I saw a couple a few months ago, you know, in the $800 range, $700 ones. There was one at Guitar Center. I should have bought it. I went down with Ralph to buy it. Um, I think they wanted a thousand bucks for it. I left. Two days later, I go, you know what? I'm going to go get it. Went back and it was gone. So German made Warwick bass. Um, I think if you get one for a good deal, it'll, it'll hold that value for a long time. Michael wants to know, hey, F hi, Phil. I assume it's hi, Phil, because it's happy face hi. Phil. What advice would you give a newly started repair shop? Respect the advice. Um, so, so, um, okay, cool. First thing I would tell you to do with a repair shop is I only give you, you know, uh, you know, kind of like my experience transferred over. Um, first thing you want to do is champion your customers. And what I mean by that is when you're new, definitely make sure every customer that has a good experience, let them know that you're, you know, Hey, I would, you would really appreciate some kind of either feedback or, uh, you know, a shout out or, you know, tell a friend, you know, cause that's repair, repair shops. What's great about being a repair shop is when you do good work, the work will find a way to you. You know, musicians are very, you know, guitars are, are very personal to the musician. So it becomes a very, especially with repair. Sometimes, yeah, it's as easy as fixing things, but a lot of times with setups and adjustments and stuff, it's very personal. And even though you could go to the best guitar tech in the world, for some reason, the way they set up a guitar is just not the way you vibe it. It's different. Everybody has a different, different feel. So when somebody likes what you do, make sure you let them, you let them know that you are new and you, you know, you need that shout out. Um, also I've given this advice before, so I'll give it to you too. Always, always make sure everyone, you know, personally right now, today, every single person, you know, in your circle, whether that's your social circle on the internet or personal circle knows that you repair guitars now and don't assume that they know that. Um, because that's the worst, the worst feeling you will get is when somebody says, yeah, what are you doing now? And you go, I repair guitars. Like, Oh, my cousin just had his guitar repaired. I wish I would have known. It's a very, it's a very powerful sting because it's money you gave away. And that's, and it's something that you could have, you could have easily taken care of. So let everybody know, you know, uh, shout it to the rooftops. Let everybody know on your Facebook, Instagram, Twitters, you know, let so many people know, you know, leave your business card, have business cards, leave them uh, places, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, give them out, you know, to anyone you think they're, they're out there. That's the first thing you can do. That's the best advice to get get it started up because that's what you said. Get it started up. That's not talking about the infrastructure or anything. We're just talking about how to get your name out there. That's just an effective tool. Um, and then, uh, uh, and if you want another suggestion, I, I strongly suggest uh, that you go on my website, the knowyourgear.net, download my repair sheets, and make some kind of form of your own version of that. You know, uh, I I really think people really enjoy having when they pick up their instrument, not somebody on a carbon piece of paper said, thank you for your business. And then the bill, you know what I mean? It's nice to see what you did and why you did it. And, uh, and I think a, a lot of companies, you know, get your own ideas and, but you can use mine as a template. I don't mind that. Uh, in fact, I, it's very flattering to me. 
Um, the reason I did that is I wanted to be accountable to the customers. And I think businesses that are not afraid to be accountable to customers will always be more successful because, you know, the customer is uh, not always right. Uh, you know, as the saying goes, they're always right. I don't know if they're always right, but they're always the customer. So, okay. Steve Long says, Phil, I got an 88 Kramer American. I love it, but need some work. Fretboard is pitting, replace it or suggest good replacement neck. Uh, you know, the problem is, is I'm not versed in the value of an 88 Kramer American guitar. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm just not versed in Kramers that much. I know a little about them. I have some friends that are Kramer guys. Uh, the, the real issue is what is the guitar worth? If it has value, I would not replace the neck, uh, with another neck. Um, keep, keep the, you know, keep the original guitar, you know, put together and, uh, and maybe fix that neck. Uh, that being said, if it doesn't have a whole lot of value and you're not, or you're not worried about it, maybe it's just your workhorse guitar, you know, well then yeah, get an aftermarket neck, man. I think, uh, for Kramer necks, I believe, uh, for most of the headstock styles, you can get those from Warmoth and I love the Warmoth necks. So that's a good suggestion to start there. The only thing I would tell you is if you get a replacement neck, they usually come in a nice replacement neck box, put the original in the box, seal it up and put it in a safe place where it's not too uh, humid and not too dry. And uh, so you can always put it back the way it was. I, I, I have a thing about always trying to put guitars back to the original way they are. I think everybody will always be happier for it. So uh, William wants to know, hey, Phil, no question. Just wishing you a great day. Hey, thanks, man. Oh, hey, William. How's it going? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see you again. Sorry, like I said, guys, I'm going to lose my voice if I don't drink something. And then Jess says, love the videos. Just send in five bucks. Uh, just tipping. Hey, hey, put it in the tip jar. I appreciate that. So let's find a question. And uh, and uh, how are we doing on time? It's four o'clock. We'll go an extra 10 minutes uh, since there's 870 of you. And I have a, uh, I don't know if I have some announcements. It's, I have announcements that I have announcements, if that makes any sense. Is that what Britney Spears did? <laughs> Everybody see what Britney Spears is like? I have announcement that I have announcement. Uh, Cheddar Kung Pao says, is it just me or all the Fender Channel bound Rosewood board necks? Super cool. You know what's great about that, Cheddar? What I love about the Cheddar. So if you guys don't know what uh, Cheddar is talking about is Fender has a neck where they take a maple neck and then and then what they do is they, they route her out like a bowl in the middle of the fretboard because it's a one-piece neck they route out the 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 fretboard out leaving a small channel around right and then they insert like a giant inlay a piece of rosewood so it looks like it's maple bound but it's actually inset rosewood what i love about that guitar not only is it cool and it's unique but an employee suggested that at the factory fender decided to open up a suggestion jar and some employee said hey uh you know how about you ever thought about instead of binding a neck, how about just inserting the fretboard around the bind, you know, around the, the channel and uh, they took a suggestion and did it. And, um, you know, I don't know what they did. Maybe they, I hope they gave him more than a, you know, hundred dollar gift card to, you know, Applebee's or something. But, um, I think that's cool, man. Innovation can come from any direction and that's just cool. When I heard that story, I thought that was awesome. Um, but that is a cool neck. I agree. It is a cool thing because it's very exclusive to them. So, uh, I've never seen it before. Is, is, is my point. So this is usually in the comments where somebody tells me in like somewhere in, uh, you know, in Russia, somebody did it before, but I didn't know they did that. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Let's see. Hold on. Uh, Eric says, Hey, just bought a rumble 40 and a Squire vintage PJ base. Any tips for bass playing? 
Uh, I've been playing guitar for 30 years, uh, and I don't want to sound like a guitar player when I play bass. Make sense? Yes. You know, the best advice I can give you as a guitar player trying to play bass is that guitar players, you know, th th there's always this thing about the metronome or timing, right? And you know, listen to timing. And the way I look at bass is just, you know, this is just my opinion. My opinion is that most people, they'll dance to the bass. Um, some people, they bob their heads to the drummer. I just want you to think about it. It's a great illustration. People bob their heads to drummers, you know, right? You just, right. That's, that's how they, they, they move. But the bass is how people move when they hear bass lines, you know, that's what gets people to move and guitar line, guitar players, whether they know it or not, whether they're just strumming chords or playing, you know, uh, staccato style or solos, or whatever, they are more like the drummer. They can get people when you watch, you know, players like uh, instrumental players, you, the people move like like they would with drums. You know, kind of like, like I said, they bob their head, they like listen to the guitar and they bob their head to drums. So one of the things as a bass player that I always try to recommend is when you play bass, think like that. Do, you know, you want your bass lines to want people to sway and move and dance and move their hips. And uh, this is an important thing, and it's going to feel silly, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to make fun of me after this, and I don't, I don't care because, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't care. So um, I always, when I play bass, I always picture a, a woman somewhere out in the audience and what i'm trying to do is get her to move in a very uh exotic way right i'm trying to get her to 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 not just you know i don't want everybody just doing this i want her to move and so as a bass player i think that's how the first way you can mentally picture how you have to play differently and i find that's more effective than just saying hey play in time because bass players play in time well of course everybody's supposed to play in time so <laughs> Um, uh, but more importantly, bass players, I, it's kind of the groove, right? And the groove is something that is, is a tough thing. And the reason why it's a tough thing is think of this. Most people do not have rhythm. It's just, it's where it's why most people can't dance. It's just the, the hardest thing, um, on bass, you know, I, I've been playing bass for a long time and, uh, you know, I played metal and I played rock and I played jazz and I played fusion and the hardest bass lessons I ever took were, were, uh, uh, bossa nova and, um, uh, and, uh, what else? Um, why am I saying it? Merengue? Merengue. Man, that stuff. I mean, no, you know, just the, just those mutes that do, 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 cause there's a hiccup in it. Do, 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 do. And that groove, it was just, it was almost impossible for me to get. And, um, and so I had to come up with a way to, to find a way to feel that groove because there was no way with a metronome that I was just going to lock it in with practice. I would practice those riffs so much that I actually started hating the style of music, the, the bass guitar itself. I was hating everything because it was just, I feel like I was just going to keep practicing forever and not get anywhere. And then one day I just visualized like, wait a minute, the whole point of this music is to make somebody dance. And so why don't I look at it that way? So that's my suggestion. When you approach bass as a guitar player, look at it as a different instrument in that way. Um, and then try to take some of that essence when you get it back to your other instruments. Something I've been very ineffective at doing. <laughs> my guitar playing is way back to that bobbing your head stuff. Okay. Uh, Pyrocent says twin reverb hum. 
goes away when I touch the strings. Well, that's not the amp. That's the guitar. The the guitar is uh, it's a, sounds like a grounding issue with the guitar. I would check that out. Now, uh, the issue is if you're saying, hey, maybe it's only doing it in that amp and you plug it in a different amp. Uh, that doesn't still necessarily mean that, that, that that's the amp. That's the ground loop issue with that amp and that particular thing. So I'm going to say uh, guitar is probably the biggest issue. Um, but uh, there's a couple things you can try. Obviously, uh, you can uh, try to make sure that you're uh, I want to try to say try to what well, does the reverb? I'm trying to think of the twin reverb has a ground loop switch. I don't remember. Man, the twin. I owned a twin 20 years ago. It was just heavy and it was awesome, but it was heavy and loud. So, uh, but check your ground on your guitar as well. Sean Brown says classic Baja Telly or Road 150s Telly. Um, I like the classic Baja. Man, that's a great. The classic player Baja is cool because it was this uh, thing that Fender did. And I thought it was an ingenious idea. They asked some of the custom builders. There was actually more. The Baja is the only one that still exists. If you go back, I want to say 2006, maybe 2005 is when the Baja came out. When it came out, there was three guitars. There was three guitars by Fender and they were all basically the same thing. They were all guitars that Fender master builders had built. And because Fender asked the master builder said, Hey, out of all the guitars you've ever made, what are the coolest ones? And they all picked one and, and they made it. So everybody got their own. So the Baja was one of them too. And um, so the Baja is a guitar that a master builder either had. I, I forget the story exactly. It's either something he'd done a, minute, a couple times and he loved, or it's the guitar he always wanted to build, whatever it is. That's what makes the Baja kind of cool and unique is it was uh, designed uh, like a master build project, but then mass produced. Okay. Jess says, can you talk about Gretsch? I can. They don't, um, they don't seem to be upset. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the higher end uh, hollows, the lower end Koreans sort of suck. Okay. Uh, General Gretsch thoughts. Love my 6118T. That's a nice one. Uh, contemplating the G6659TG players edition. Uh, broadcaster with a K as the next purchase. Yep. Broadcaster. Um, I like the Korean ones, and but I've I've owned many of the Japanese ones too. Um, and there's there's something about them. The Korean ones have less of the Gretsch. Let's let's be let's be honest. They have less of that Gretsch secret mojo. Um, but sometimes I don't know if I care about that. I'm not a true Gretsch player in the idea that I like Gretsch guitars and I like to play them and I love the way they look. But I'm not playing rockabilly. I'm not playing a lot of the stuff uh, that that Gretsch players a lot of play. So that's my thoughts on that. Um, you know, I love Gretsch. I love uh, the higher end hollow bodies, but I end up selling my higher end ones and keeping my Korean ones um, because I was just happy with with that. Um, but the Players Edition is uh, broadcaster is going to be a great guitar. So if you're contemplating it, man, you're asking the wrong person. You don't you don't call it. You don't <laughs> you don't reach into a gear channel and say, "Hey, should I get a piece of gear?" Because <laughs> the answer is going to be yeah. Yeah, the answer is yes. The answer is always yes, Jess. It's always yes. Uh, X Light, uh, X something. X Light X, sure. Uh, got a 2014 Gibson Les Paul standard, and I'm getting feedback from stage monitors at venues. They turn me down, and I can't hear myself. Uh, fixable, or do I need to sell? Uh, well, yeah, it's fixable. It's just, uh, I, I, I'm curious to see what's causing the feedback. So here's my guess, 2000 Gibson Les Paul standard. Here are the things that I think that you need to look at. 
Um, I don't think it's going to be a shielding issue inside your cavity. Um, what I've seen in the past, this is something actually I've seen many times. The pickups sometimes become microphonic and it could be the type of pickups that you have. So a couple things, uh, when you say turn down, you're turning down the amp. What I would try is take the volume knobs on the guitar and kick them back a quarter turn back and see if that fixes the problem. And if it does, um, that means that maybe the pickups, cause they're, they're becoming microphonic, uh, and they're, and if you cool them down, I don't say cool, that's not the right term, but I say cool it down, but I mean, turn it down. Uh, they become less hot. See, that's why I say cool them down, uh, less output, the less output, it becomes less uh, the, the basically think of a micro like a microphone, the less sensitive they are, the less likely they are to pick up those, um, uh, feedback, uh, signals, but, uh, you need to inspect your pickups. I would take them out and look at them, make sure the wax there's sometimes, uh, some of the Gibson pickups are not wax potted. They're vintage style pickups are not wax potted. And that's going to be your problem. You're going to have to swap those out or do what I said, turn the, 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 the volume knob, a quarter turn back so that you're not, you know, running them as hot or noise gate. Noise gate's always great, man. Noise gate. Um, you know, for a live situation, it sometimes fixes the problem. Uh, Bruce, well, I'd like to know a camper or helix. There's only one correct answer, man. I don't know. Kemper or helix. I, yeah, I can't tell you, Bruce. I've never really played a Kemper for more than like two minutes and the helix I've now spent a couple weeks with. So I feel horrible giving you an answer that I feel is, is based on only the one experience. So, uh, there you go. I don't know. I, I, I'm enjoying the Helix. I just don't know. I would love to compare the two. So, okay. Uh, Rick, you, Rico USA says I own a 62 Baseman 212 and has a slight cracking in the outer edge of the cone that buzzes. Would you repair professionally, recone, replace with a new speaker that matches the type or replace the another 62 basement speaker. Okay. So when it comes to speakers, you know, you got to first, you got to find somebody who can recone. It's becoming a, it's like, man, it's like finding a vacuum cleaner repair center. It's almost, well, it's becoming hard. So, uh, if you can find somebody to do that, maybe look at that resource. Um, me personally, just like, uh, the, the answer I gave about the neck earlier with the Kramer, you can always buy a new speaker try a new speaker out and then put the original one in the box. It's fine. Won't hurt anything. Gives you a, a way to try a new speaker and it's going to be, I would guess there's nothing going to be cheaper than that. So if that's a, if you're trying to save some money, if you're not trying to save some money, then I would have it professionally repaired uh, and put back in and it's going to be magic. But again, finding that person, like I don't even know anybody in my area that recone speakers. Uh, ben says, Hey Phil, I find myself better, better back in gear. Nuno used, okay, hold on. I just, I find myself better back in gear. Nuno used back in the day. Okay, so better using the guitar. That, okay. Why the heck am I so into gear from my childhood? What's wrong with me? Oh, oh, Ben, great question. So basically, yeah, why, why you find yourself better when you get back into the gear like, like that Nuno used back in the day. Uh, so yeah, well, look at me, man. Uh, there's my Nuno guitar, Swirled. There's my RG550. These guitars, I don't play these guitars. <laughs> these are the guitars, same thing like you, man. This is when I was a kid. These were guitars were cool. And, um, you know, and, and for some reason, some players, they, they were in those days. I didn't play guitar. When these guitars were hot, I wasn't a guitar player. I, was, I wasn't even, you know, I wasn't even, well, this guitar, when did this come out? 87? 
I think this guitar came out in 87. Uh, I was not playing guitar in 87. I started playing guitar in 89, 90. So, uh, you know, this is just stuff I thought was cool. You know, older kids had it. That was, you know, and, and, and so I was like, okay, that's cool. And so I found my own way with my own guitars. But then as I got older, I thought, oh, it would be cool to own those kind of old, you know, isn't that funny? Kind of old guitars. Uh, yeah. You know, um, I'll, I'm going to go with the, 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 uh, Biloxi blues movie, Matthew Broderick. Uh, he did a quote in that movie that I thought was great. He, when he was going through basic training and stuff. And then later he's, he's uh, talking like he's an older person reflecting back. And he said it was the worst time ever, but to him it was the best time ever. Cause he was young. Ah, there you go. There's the answer. <laughs> when you're young, everything's cool. Everyone wants the car they wanted when they were 16. That's not a fact. I'm just, it's a analogy. Okay. Um, Mel, uh, O'Brien wants to know, he says, plan on getting a player strap for Christmas. Have you heard of any problems with the bridge? I have, um, but not officially like any kind of official thing. I have heard, I've had people email in. We've had people email in about some issues with players, uh, strats, uh, uh, bridges issues. Um, I believe the problem that I heard or the problems that I, I, my understanding of the issue is the new models are fixed, but they have issue with recalls on the old models. I'm not sure what the issues are. Um, and it, it could have been tellies too. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, I've heard some grumblings, but nothing official, nothing in a weird capacity that I could, you know, I could quantify and nothing I've seen personally, but I have heard grumblings that there are things, but this problem with Fender is Fender is kind of like a, you know, uh, it's, it's such a big company that I don't know if you hear of five or 10 problems. I mean, they're selling, you know, thousands and thousands of guitars. So who knows if the issue is very large, but there, yes, I have heard some stuff. So what does that mean? I would buy from a reputable dealer and make sure you're, you know, you're fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with the guitar, by the way, I, I, I sold Fender for 10 years and, um, I have no ties to them in any financial capacity. Like they don't, they don't pay me or anything, you know, uh, for anything. Um, and, uh, and so in that statement, what I'm telling you is my experience overall with them was good in the way that they treated customers. My, I've had personal problems with Fender over the years and I've gotten over them. We, we made up nice, nice and stuff, but as a customer, I've had a much better experience as a Fender customer than I have with, you know, over the years. So Fender is always, I think, uh, for the most part, a safe bet. I would highly recommend it to this day to, to most anybody. Okay. Well, what did I do? Break it. It's, it's resetting right now. Okay. Anything else before we go? couple 855 people. We almost made 900. That was a lot. You guys had some great questions. Gunky Zip says, hey, say goodnight and have some tea, my good man. Yes, I plan to. And a uh, couple things uh, I just want to say. I got some next live show. We're going to make some announcements. We have some pretty exciting news on the channel. Um, I, I, I know it's kind of messed up to tell it to you guys like that, but I'm so excited. I just want to tell you at least that there's something exciting coming. Um, this is going to be huge. 
uh, for the channel and uh, in a positive way for you guys. Uh, so and so it's going to involve some giveaways for you guys, but not just a boring like, hey, you guys can win something. Uh, we're going to need your help and some support to do some cool stuff. Uh, and uh, you're going to get an opportunity to win some cool stuff. And uh, other than that, we got uh, you guys saw this week's videos. You should start seeing three or four a week uh, from now into the Europe, not more. So they uh, so I'm excited about that. And then since it's into the show, I'm going to do a quick shout out to the patrons um, for sponsoring the show. Because uh, obviously you guys showing up, hanging out is what it's all about. And then, of course, the people that pay for it, uh, the the podcast on, by the way, this this live show gets re-shot re out as a podcast on iTunes and on SoundCloud. And uh, podcast is how they get taken care of as sponsors. You get, you know, sponsors. But the sponsors on this channel are, are you guys. You guys are the sponsors. So uh, I want to thank Bradulus, Jeff Howes, Zachary Rowe, Michael Newman, Bruce and the One Blood Wee Band, Hannah Gunson, John Jex, Kyle Mathis, Michael Shy, Justin Mabe, David Madison, Andrew Good, Anthony Desposito, Billy Robson, Bob Crosley, Bob Pickwode, Brian Stewart, Bill Brotherton, uh, Carlos Patilio. By the way, Bill, I think Shauna sent you out a shirt today. Yeah, so they got that coming, a special one. Uh, it's a uh, one that uh, it's only made for me. Uh, so I, I gave her the okay. That's how I know I gave her the okay to to send you the one that's only made for me. Um, Chuck Keen, Chris Glaze, Craig Parker, Daniel Psychic, Dennis Prescott, Dylan eighty seven, Greg Peterson, James Biles, Joe Watson, Jonathan Pickering, Jess Joseph McCarthy, Kermit Jackson, Lawrence Petros, Lee Hawkins, Lonnie Hoke. Michael Lidner, Paul Ostreich, Lewis and Alvaro. I'll see you guys at NAM. I'm excited about that. Ricky Robinson, Robert Books, Robert Hodges, Robert Wood, Wood Guitar, Scott Germain, Scott Tompkins, Space Jazz, Steve Pinna, Tim, just Tim, Tim Camacho and Todd Flowers. And of course, every single person who does Patreon. Again, thank you guys for supporting a channel like this. It, it makes it nice that we can build a community. Uh, and uh, I appreciate you guys uh, and every single buddy that is hanging out right now. And I will talk to you guys next Friday and we'll have some big announcements. I promise I will do them on Friday next week. Until then, know your gear.